Good morning. It's Jennifer Bukowski filling in for Gary Nolan. And uh, I have with me my friend Nicole Volker. She's Monroe County prosecutor. And you worked for the city of Columbia advising the police department for how many years? Oh, about nine. Nine years. So I do have another story I want to get to with you. Our mayor, Barbara Buffalo, wants to create a new department. But first, we teased before we left this Hunter Biden. He's been in court and guess what he passed his drug test he went and pled not guilty to these three gun charges what did you think about uh, that plea blowing up a few months ago with hunter i thought it was fascinating i found a pdf of the transcript mm-hmm. and i read it it's very long it, there was a lot of interesting information in that transcript a lot that i couldn't find in other media for example one of the things i found in there was they discussed that boy schiller which is a very prominent law firm in the united states was paying hunter biden forty eight thousand dollars a year for the use of his name meanwhile burisma the ukrainian company's paying him a million dollars a year for the use of his name shows you that the american attorneys were probably smarter about what hunter biden was worth than the ukrainian company was yeah it's you know, it's just nice. It must be nice when you don't have to actually go in and do any work on any client cases and they could just put you on their firm website by saying that you're somehow affiliated and they'll go ahead and pay you for that. But 47000 not a million dollars a year like Burisma, because maybe in that case, they're actually just paying for Hunter Biden's name and not actually policy changes from the vice president of the United States. Well, it also suggests to me that Boy Schiller, the law firm, understood that it would have been inappropriate in the middle of a meeting to call the big guy, put him on speakerphone, just to sort of show off that there was this connection and contact. Yeah. And yeah, then later, hopefully, oh, but we want this work or this or that from the government. <clears throat> yes, that is interesting. It was interesting how he detailed, you know, all of his extensive drug use throughout the time that he's purchasing this gun, which is the basis of the three gun charges he pled not guilty to today. Um, none of that would be admissible against him at his, if this, these gun cases were to go to trial because they were statements made as part of a plea that blew up. So <clears throat> he was getting up on the stand and he said, yes, I did this, I did that. And then for some reason the plea doesn't go through. They can't, later use those statements that you made in court against you at your trial right correct correct i had that happen in a case recently although it it doesn't preclude it being used for any other purpose one of the things in the original plea deal was that he said he got out of rehab in may of 2019 and then when asked when his last drug usage was he said june of 2019 (laughs) the judge immediately caught on to it and it's hard with a transcript in federal court because you can't read inflection. It's There really is not that much transparency beyond these written transcripts. But immediately his attorneys jumped in and, and tried to say, oh, that, that was just the last time he went to AA. And they, they tried to cover it up like it was not a, a mis a mis- That is thing. interesting because his own book, his tell-all book, which can be used against him, he claims that he was using you know, crack all throughout 2018, sometimes every 15 minutes throughout the summer then he goes in the fall um to the east coast where he buys this gun and lies on the form allegedly saying that he's not a drug user and then he says that drug use continued until he met his wife and married who he married six days later in may of 2019 
And then he claims he got clean in his book. So in court, though, he said he was still doing drugs in June after he met, maybe in rehab, this South African babe that he has a small child with also that's around the same age as the one with a gal down in Arkansas. Correct. And 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 that's another fascinating aspect of the story is to sit back and think how little we would know if he would have just been responsible enough to pick up his own laptops and not get that uh, exotic dancer pregnant in Arkansas. We would know very little. That's really what broke so much of this open. That is so true. And they came, I mean, well, they were kind of onto him because they were in the course of normal investigations looking at some of these sex websites and uh, money and his name came into it naturally right but which the, is the proper way for people that are politically connected to end up in the criminal justice system but a lot of the financials really came from the fact that he had not been filing his tax return yeah at all at all you're the son of a u.s senator your whole life and you went to yale law school i don't care if you're on crack you know that you have to file a tax return okay that's not an excuse you have an ex-wife and you know she knows that there's tax returns you know you have kids like there's no excuse for a grown adult to not file the tax return when you know that there's so much at stake i think he kind of consciously or subconsciously wanted to get his dad like he's mad at dad and i think that joe biden's a, not a great father the left goes on and on about oh his only crime is loving his son unconditionally if you really care about your son, you're not having him go to these meetings with different foreign officials and picking up bags of cash and doing shady things for you. You are trying to help him get better, right? Right. And and a lot of the evidence has come out that Joe Biden's brothers were heavily involved, that this was... This yeah, it's like was, nine family members. Right. That there was... This but was it seems extensive. like the two main ones are the brother right. and Hunter were like the head people that wrangled all the money. Uh, for the Biden name. At least they're the two that got the most amount of money. I, I, it's very possible it was going on longer for smaller amounts, but the, the large dollar amounts, the amounts from China and Ukraine were definitely those two. Hmm. So uh, one interesting thing, I don't hate it, uh, that Hunter is supposed to bring up is that it violates the Constitution to charge him with these gun offenses. I don't hate this uh, idea that the Bruin decision said, you know, look, you can't just take away gun rights from people that weren't understand at the time of the, understood at the time of the founding. And there's no historical precedent that sobriety was a condition for you having your fundamental right to keep and bear arms. So isn't that ironic? It is, and it, it, you it, know, Hunter, the Joe Biden son is going to be making this constitutional argument and it's important to keep that distinct from the collateral consequence that happens after someone enters a plea to a felony this is hunter biden he's not yet a felon he is it question as to whether or not he's using drugs it's very similar to the case that's going to go to the u.s supreme court this year about whether or not the existence of an order of protection against someone just that existence alone prevents someone from possessing a gun yeah, that is uh, on the docket for the October 2023 term of Rahimi. There's also some other interesting cases cooking on the Second Amendment, including one in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals where a mom has a felony for bad checks. She's a single mom and she wants to be able to buy a gun to be able to defend herself and her family. And she's saying, look, under this Bruin decision, 
it's unconstitutional for me to permanently have no right to have a gun to defend myself and my family. I agree with her, uh, but the Tenth Circuit did not. That one's going to head to the United States Supreme Court, as is one out of the Fifth Circuit that was argued in, like, February that... Uh, this came up because Trump was looking at a Glock 45. It had his face on a 45th president at a gun show recently or somewhere he was in an event. He couldn't legally buy that gun because he's under felony indictment. And there's a case challenging that as well as being unconstitutional under Bruin. But as we uh, had discussed at our FedSoc, you know, Supreme Court preview, the government's been very strategic about what cases it allows to get to the Supreme Court first. And that domestic violence order one in Rahimi has the least, like, um, I guess, sympathetic fact pattern of these cases that are headed that way. Like, I think if the one with the bad check, mom, single mom that was to defend her family, if that got up there first, that one has a better shot than this Rahimi guy who, you know, allegedly, you know, choked his girlfriend or whatever and had domestic violence restraining order against him. Correct. And my understanding in that Rahimi case is that it wasn't that the judge said you cannot have a gun. It wasn't a it wasn't a judicial order from the bench. It's just automatic that anytime someone has an order of protection that 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 would trigger. You and I have both seen felony guilty pleas. Uh, defendants are asked question after question. I think we're going to see a day come along where one of the questions that you're asked is, do you aware that this felony conviction is going to prohibit your Second Amendment right from owning a gun? Unless Ramey or one of these cases said you can't permanently deprive someone of a fundamental right for life based simply on, you know, a conviction, especially if there's a, it's a misdemeanor conviction or or what have you. Correct. Forever. There are some misdemeanor convictions uh, that would automatically prohibit someone from yeah. owning a, a firearm. And a lot of times people aren't aware of it. And a lot of times their attorneys aren't aware of it because it's federal law dipping into state law. So a state guilty plea to an assault. Uh, domestic assault. Well, domestic assault. But even if it's labeled assault, but the underlying facts are a domestic relationship, then the uh, between a husband and spouse, but you change the title to assault, that would automatically trigger the federal law, and and that has some 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 implications in whether or not the federal government should be involved in state guilty pleas. Certainly does. Well, Nicole, it's fun having you on. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, guys, I can't hold myself off from talking about pulling this fire alarm. Red alert, red alert, Brian. We got to get into it. We got to play the clip next. So don't go away. We're going to get into Representative Jamal Bowman, who might want to shut up and lawyer up. We'll get into that next. This is Jennifer Bukowski filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. All right. Over the weekend, as I'm sure you've heard, Congressman Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm as the House was uh, trying to get a package done, take a vote on continuing to keep the government open because Republicans were rallying. And uh, there are some that suspect it had to do with this congressman, a Democrat, wanting to slow that process down. Here's a clip of him. Um, he's just mystified as to why we think that this so-called mistake that he claims he made was uh, such a big deal. I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote. Man. That's all it was. And I take responsibility for what I did, you know, but like I said, I was in a rush to go vote. And, uh, you know, investigation will, will, will sort everything else out. 
It's just an accident. You know? I don't know why it's such a big don't deal. Don't you do that too, Jennifer? I mean, when you're in a hurry, <laughs> you want to go do something. It's like, hey, here's here's the switch. This will open the door. But, yeah, that's the thing. They're trying to make it sound like, oh, it's such a confusing situation how to open these doors. And they were closed and there was a vote. He's in his second term in Congress. And it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't one of these things like you see at a restaurant, if you push this door, the alarm goes off. He literally pulled one of those things I've never pulled. Have you ever pulled a fire no, alarm? never. So you, I mean, it says ball, fire it's alarm on It's on it. a different wall than the yeah. door, bro. Like, <laughs> it's there. Fire alarm. <laughs> and he was, guess what he was? A vice principal or a principal of a middle school. If If a middle school kid couldn't resist the temptation and pulled the... Alarm, do you think he would believe that kid? That, <laughs> oh, I just didn't know. I, I, I was in a hurry. I was late for class, and I wanted to uh, get make sure I got to class on time, and so I got confused. I pulled the alarm. I don't see why it's such a big deal, Principal. I don't think so, okay? I don't think so. But then yesterday, he proceeds to get himself in even more hot water, Brian, because a memo got circulated of talking points that he was begging you know, fellow Democrats to go out and defend him about this. <laughs> and in that memo, it it said, you know, bring up that uh, Republicans should care more about what their Nazi members are doing than this guy pulling the fire alarm. But he comes out and he disavows that memo. It's just what a cluster that this guy is. It's just unbelievable. But here's the problem, and Michael Knowles was quick to point this out. He said, that memo was circulated without my consent, saying that I uh, wanted people to call Republicans Nazis. He said, here's his tweet. Congressman Jamal Bowman says, I just became, yesterday, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the term the use of the term Nazi out of its precise definition it is important to specify the term Nazi to refer to members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. Here's the thing. Michael Knowles, who is with the Daily Wire, he's got his own show, he's got his own podcast. He says, he tweeted, was it also an accidental non-consensual use of the term when you called me a Nazi back in March? Do you contend that use of the term too? So it, he had tweeted, Michael Knowles is a Nazi hell-bent on keeping only white men alive and in power. We cannot allow him and others to push their evil agenda, and we must stand up for the transgender rights. Uh, he used that term Nazi. That tweet is still up uh, that Congressman Jamal Bowman did. So Congressman Jamal Bowman is trying to say yesterday that that was without his consent, that use of the term Nazi. I only use that to refer to members of the Nazi party when he himself has used that in March. So this is a classic example of people that think that they can talk their way out of trouble. The more they speak, the more trouble they get themselves in. Because now you're kind of caught in a lie, which makes you people less likely to believe you're you when you say you accidentally pulled that alarm and had nothing to do with when he was slowed on that vote. Yeah, and... Remember what they were telling us about January the 6th and how these people were all being charged with obstructing an official proceeding? Yes. Well, I mean, take a look at this. Oh, no. Literally the rule, obstructing the rules an official different. proceeding. They had to evacuate the building. This that is completely was a, different, Jennifer. It was an accident. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he had only good intentions. He was trying to get there to vote. He was running late. And uh, for some reason, he hasn't had to pull this little fire alarm before to go vote the other four years he's been there. But this time he had to do it, coincidentally. Coincidentally. All right, we've got a couple of callers on this topic. On line one, Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. You know, it's amazing to me that this this is probably the same guy that left the cocaine in the White House and <laughs> couldn't get caught on the surveillance cameras, but this time he did, and he probably had no idea that they had upgraded the security to be so much better now they could tell who was doing the crime. Well, Gary, let's be fair. Let's be fair. Hunter Biden was in the White House uh, that weekend that the cocaine was found. Uh, he had been there. So there are oh. other suspects to that particular incident, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'm glad they got I'm glad they got the surveillance system straightened out though. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I'm yeah. glad, you know, Hunter Biden actually passed his drug test, apparently. They announced in court today. So uh if that cocaine that they found at the White House in the summer had anything to do with Hunter Biden, which, you know, one could maybe draw wouldn't be unreasonable to uh, infer that it could possibly have been hunters uh we don't know that for sure because the secret service couldn't figure it out i guess he's clean as of right now as long as he didn't cheat on his drug test that's another issue i wonder about with hunter biden my goodness pretty sad but uh okay line two paul welcome to the show what do you have your thoughts on this fire alarm debacle yeah, well, hey, this isn't about the fire alarm, but I believe it was another delay tactic that did not get as much press. Did you hear that Representative Rosa DeLauro uh, went to the floor of the House on Saturday and laid out the accusation that the Republicans had put a pay raise into the continuing resolution? And uh, fortunately, she was quickly called on it. But uh, I-, I think this is just was just another delay tactic tactic if she could have got that accusation to stick in the mainstream press um you know it it would have created uh, enough controversy to to get that delayed and and um you know both these things tell me that these are people that just are not dealing in good faith it's very disturbing to me and that's a great point because it shows that there was an incentive among folks on the left to slow things down and to delay things if they're making false statements like that on the floor they're eating up time they want to slow things down because they're trying to rally um and i think that yeah that's a great point that shows that there was this prevailing incentive among the folks on the left to come up with delay tactics and and what does the principal of the school come up with and and in case you don't know (laughs) who she is she's the she's the representative from connecticut who's always got her hair purple hair i just google her ugly color yeah but uh yeah okay that is not healthy for your hair to dye it that color all right thanks for the call paul oh my word you just can't make some of this stuff up the facts are stranger than fiction sometimes Brian, isn't it there's so much going on right now that the news doesn't even know what to cover i don't even know what to talk about I do want to talk about in the next hour Barbara Buffalo's idea to create a new government department because that solves everything when you just create new government departments. That's always the answer. Grow the government, right? But next up, we have Senator Bill Eigel. He's got some topics to discuss um, with us, including um, a blowtorch, apparently. So we'll get into that next on The Gary Nolan Show. This is Jennifer Bukowski filling in on the Zimmer Radio Network. Gary Nolan Show. 
we're back on Gary Nolan, the Gary Nolan show. This is Jennifer Bukowski filling in. And I'll tell you what, Brian, it's kind of interesting. I'm usually on on Tuesdays and uh, Gary's sweating it when I'm not calling on the precise moment. You see? <laughs> and uh, no, I'm totally relaxed. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure he's calling. It's I'm, all it's good. Fine. It's going to be fine. I'm not going to have a heart attack. And, you know, Gary needs more excitement in his life. He I, does, yeah. I got to keep him on edge. Am I calling? I mean, I, I'm always calling Gary. I always call every week on Tuesdays. I'm on your show, and it's fantastic. But uh, aren't I usually on at 1035? What time is he actually on? Is he? Do we have this time wrong? 1035. Um, no, this is uh, usually the time. That I'm on. Let's see, Tuesdays. is it? I've got confused. My days are all mixed up. So we, we might be uh, we might be expecting him to call an hour earlier than he actually is. Wait, what time is he calling? Maybe it's tomorrow. <laughs> no, We're a well-oiled machine here, aren't we? Okay. I'll, I will ask him if he's calling because he wants to talk uh, about... Uh, I, I don't think he normally calls at 10.35 because, don't I? Every Tuesday, 10.30 to 11.30, That's I'm on. right, yeah. And then I'm on Randy's show on Thursdays at 5 <clears throat> every week. So usually I can try to get all my thoughts out in those two different hours and two different great shows here. But today there's so much going on that I don't think three hours is going to cover it. But one thing Bill Eigel wants to talk about, Senator Bill Eigel, is uh, the shutdown showdown situation which i liked his thoughts on that because it's hard to keep up with this with gates with the uh you know what's going on with the speaker mccarthy and gates and what is the shutdown about let's talk about that with senator bill eigel who i'm sure is calling in any second now right brian he is with us he is with us senator eigel i'm here I'm Thank here. you for calling in a minute late, like I do on Tuesdays at ten thirty. Sometimes uh, we really appreciate. I personally appreciate that because it's not just me. Gary gives me trouble about that every week if I'm not on early with him. But welcome <laughs> to the show. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, and I'm so glad to have you on. That uh, I'm supposed to say not uh, because you're running for governor, but to talk about the issues of the day. And uh, one thing that you have on your list that I do want your insights on is this sh- shutdown showdown and this feud between Gates and McCarthy. What uh, what is happening in D.C. right now with this whole situation? Give us your thoughts. You know, every time I wake up in the morning, I'm, I find a new reason to be disappointed in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, there's a... Uh, uh, whether it's Matt Gates or Speaker McCarthy, these guys, all of those folks up there in Washington, D.C., I feel like I've been driving this country over a cliff. And at the center of it all, once again, are the spending policies of Washington, D.C. that reach all new levels of ridiculousness. Uh, and, you know, if Gates is trying, you know, I think Gates is trying to bring down the spending, he's trying to hold the speakership over McCarthy. But all of these things are missing the broader point that spending has been getting worse and worse by Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. for generations in this country. I mean, we're spending over $6 trillion in Washington, D.C. every year, and we only even bring in less than $5 trillion, so we're spending and borrowing, and it's gotten to the point to where we waste so much money in Washington, D.C., nobody can tell which way is up. So 
you know, this yeah. a lot of that money's coming. A lot of that money's coming down to, to Jefferson City, and, and, and we have the same kind of spending troubles in Jefferson City that they got up in Washington D.C. So uh, these theater politics that we see go on in Washington D.C. they don't do anything for the people of this country, and it's just one more reason that people are going to be disappointed in politicians. Yeah, it is amazing to me that we just keep allowing these spending addicts. That's what they are. They're addicted to spending. They have no discipline in yes. in D.C. To screw over our kids because when I was yeah. born, like the amount of debt per capita was, you know, something like less than five thousand bucks. Now a baby born today, it's over ninety thousand dollars that they're uh if you just divvied it up among all Americans that they're inheriting of our debt. Like everyone knows that much. And let's be it real, no not everyone's gonna be paying off any of it. It's gonna come down to like less than half the people this burden of paying back this debt. And the more debt that we grow, the more it goes to interest to pay it back. And the less that we yeah. have to spend on, you know, keeping our country safe and free. So it's a real problem. But do you have any thoughts? That, okay, so there's a split um, among people, and it seems like the majority of people are backing McCarthy, including President, former President Trump. And, but Gates, like, shut down this deal that would have, you know, reduced... Um, spending on Ukraine and uh, had a spending cut and Gates somehow stopped it. And they had the stop gash gap 45 day measure instead because uh, some stunt that Gates allegedly pulled. Do you have any thoughts or insight on that situation? Uh, you know, I don't have any. Uh, nobody's talking to me from Washington D.C., and I don't talk to anybody in Washington D.C. <laughs> so, uh, if that's the, if that's the case, I, I've always been uh, very upfront about the fact that I think we should completely stop any funding to Ukraine. I think we should uh, dramatically bring down spending. So, anybody that finds themselves in the in a position of stopping that from happening is probably in the wrong. So, uh, I, I, of course, they don't ask my opinion, and you know, I don't go seeking to give my opinion uh, for those folks up in Washington D.C. You know, Jen, you mentioned something about uh, the payments just on the interest. And I actually saw some, I saw an article about this this morning because interest rates are now going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Our interest payments last year, last year our interest payments on the debt was about $475 billion. Well, this year our interest payments on the debt are going to be triple that and be almost $1.5 trillion. Almost a quarter of our budget now is going to be going just to pay the interest on the debt. We're not wow. paying it down. It's not like a mortgage payment. Uh, yeah, we've got principal and interest that we're paying down. No, just the interest is a quarter of our entire budget. And again, both you know, everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else up there in Washington D.C. But the reality is, both parties are driving us over a cliff. One party's trying to go uh, 80 miles an hour. That's the Democratic Party. But the Republicans, who also have a spending problem, they're just going 30 miles an hour. But they're going to end up at the same place. So uh, this is something a problem this big took multiple generations to get us to and nobody into in washington dc seems really interested in truly addressing uh, the welfare programs and other things going on up there that would actually fix this problem of in the long term that is yeah i hadn't thought of that but this Biden inflation especially you know the excess spending bills that they they just printed that money driving inflation just completely up has led to these high interest rates so Mortgages are at an all-time high, or at least they hit an all-time 30-year or 30-year high for mortgages for homes. And you're right; this is going to affect our U.S. debt too, and make our interest payments on that a whole lot higher. I don't know, like what terms all of the different loans that we have 
uh, have on them, but interest rates are going up, and that is going to just spike, and that'll really put us in a in a pickle. Where do we print more money to pay this stuff, which will create more inflation, or what will we end up doing? We're going to have to, you know, sane people would cut some spending, wouldn't they? <laughs> That's what the you know rational people that have to manage budgets would actually have to do, right? Right. Well, but they don't know, have an appetite for doing that in D.C. <laughs> They never do. <laughs> never yeah. do. In fact, uh, if if you look at just just how spending has gone, it's continually, continually going in the wrong direction. And actually, we just saw a couple weeks ago that the uh, the credit rating of the United States got downgraded even further, and that's going to make interest rates soar even higher on the debt that we have remaining. And the, and the problem from there is if if interest rates get so high and we lose our ability to keep printing and borrowing money, that means that at the state level, overnight, half of our state budget could disappear. That's why I've been such a – I've been – critical of Governor Parson and his his out-of-control spending budgets here in the state of Missouri because we are very vulnerable when half of our budget comes from the federal government in the first place. So uh, it could have very real effects here in the state of Missouri. And uh, even before it gets to that point, you're right, it's driving inflation because we're increasing the money supply and nobody in elected office in Washington, D.C. is doing nearly enough to actually stave off the problem before uh, we have a crisis like we've never seen before in this country. It is alarming. Um, let's pivot and talk about, you have on your list here, the presidential primary debate. And you're going around the state of Missouri. And I have to say, Senator uh, Igle, I I know people, I know a lot of Republicans that are saying that they wish that Trump wasn't looking like he's going to win the nomination. And I don't know as many diehard Trump supporters. And so when I see these polling numbers, they use 50 points ahead of all the other candidates. It makes me wonder, like, as you go around the state, are you seeing people that are going to vote for Trump or nobody? Are, are they the majority of people that you're talking to? Or are you also finding people that are interested or curious about other candidates or wishing well, I, that there I'm was an option? I, I'm finding people that are frustrated, disappointed and angry with all politics. And uh, we're seeing more of those people in that category than ever before. And those individuals uh, who are frustrated, angry, are much, much more likely to vote for a Donald Trump because he has kind of this brand and persona of the guy that's going to, you know, provide the reckoning to the swamp in Washington, D.C. So I, I think that I do believe those poll numbers. And if you watch those, if you watch the debate, last week. I did. And every time I watch these presidential debates, I regret the decision to do so. Because all they do is just, they just interrupt one another. They bicker with one another. There's, there isn't even remotely a serious policy conversation going on. And everybody comes away feeling worse from having watched it than when they started. So uh, there really doesn't seem to be anybody that I've seen that is able to articulate coming forward where they would take this country if it wasn't under uh, the banner of Donald Trump. And I think that's why he's doing so well in the polls. And if so the, you think the polls I, are... I would also, this, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the polls are very accurate. Very, I think they're very accurate. Uh, and I, I think that, uh, quite, quite honestly, I, I think there's going to have to be a, a, a change and how we're doing these presidential debates. I mean, that was such an exercise of futility last week. Not a single candidate on that stage could get two sentences together before they just started getting interrupted by the person next to them. 
so we've, we've got to completely redesign the debate stage so that we can actually move towards having an actual policy discussion. And until then, there isn't going to be anybody that can get any kind of message out. I, I happen to agree with Donald Trump. What's the point to going to these things if we're just going to have uh, seven or eight adults up on the stage bickering and interrupting each other for two hours? Yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy yesterday said that the next debate should have four people. And then last night, Trump, uh, Trump's advisors, his senior campaign advisors, issued a statement. The Republican National Committee should immediately cancel the upcoming debate in Miami and end all future debates in order to refocus its manpower and money on preventing Democrats' efforts to steal the 2024 election. What do you think of that statement that they issued late last night? Well, I think an exchange of ideas is generally a good thing. I don't think the formats that we have for the debates right now are very productive. Uh, you know, putting these uh, guys and gals up there on stage just so they can bicker and interrupt one another doesn't do anything for anybody. So uh, we've got to come up with a way uh, where, indiv- you know, the individual candidates have an opportunity to actually speak to the people who would like to hear a thoughtful policy debate. That just doesn't happen in the first two Republican debates. And so the RNC needs to reform how those debates are run so that uh, candidates have an opportunity uh, to, to actually share their message of what they want uh, uh, America to look like and where they're going to lead the country. If we can't reform it, then I'm kind of with the, with Donald Trump in the sense that, well, if you're not going to change what we've done, there's no need to see more of the disaster that we've watched in the two fir- the first two debates. So uh, it probably is a waste of time when we can start moving on to the general election because people are watching these things uh, and not being moved at all. In fact, Donald Trump skips the first two debates and actually increases five to ten points in the polls. So uh, it, clearly, it's not a productive conversation uh, that they're having on the debate stage. And I think Donald Trump is just realizing that uh, and either calling for it's either got to be change in the structure or we're going to have to move on. It, yeah. I, I, or enforce the rules, like actually cut off the mics and enforce the time limits. Yeah. Don't make it like the border where you don't enforce anything. Well, Senator Bill Eigel, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the Gary Nolan show. Um, We have to take a quick break, but we'll get back and take your calls. What do you think about Trump's statement that they should cancel all future debates and focus on the election? The RNC should. And uh, Missouri teacher making national news. And uh, there is a suit that Missouri AG Bailey has uh, filed about hiding bathroom policies in Missouri, too. We're going to get into all that and more. This is Jennifer Bukowski filling in for Gary Nolan on the Zimmer Radio Network. We're back on the Gary Nolan Show. Lots to talk about, but Trump, I just saw, came out during a break of this trial, Brian. Oh, his attorneys. I cannot imagine having a client where every time there's a break, your client runs outside and starts bashing on. <laughs> you know, it's she's the attorney general. It's a civil case, but the prosecutor basically ripping on the judge and everything else. Uh, it's highly, it's highly entertaining. He's not boring, that's for sure. No, he's not. That's part of DeSantis' problems, I think, is he's just like doing his job and not doing things that are soundbite worthy all the time. But uh, anyway. I think another thing I forgot to say earlier is this whole case has been a pretext to use government power to uh, get into Trump's business records to do opposition research to see if there's anything that they could use against him or charge him with. And guess what? End of the day, they decided they couldn't get him on criminal charges for anything, but they still brought this bogus civil thing. In any event, we had a couple of callers holding on from the last segment. I wanted to get to these calls on line two. We have Bill. Welcome to the show. Um, yeah, um, 
I can't hear her. Um, hold on a second. Okay. Um, so you're talking to Bill Island, and he's running against Jay Oshcroft, and I like Jay Ashcroft, and I'm wondering why shouldn't we vote for Bill Idle uh, instead of Jay Ashcroft? Now, you know, I'm uh, very disillusioned because my senator is Caleb Rowden, who I see is pretty much worthless, and then my my congressman is uh, Luke Demeyer, and and he's a go along with the the whole. Uh, He's no fan of Matt. He's a go along with uh, McCarthy, and McCarthy should never have been speaker. So, what what is Bill Idle's? uh, Why why should a guy vote for him instead of Jay Ashcroft? Well, unfortunately, Bill is no Bill Idle is no longer with us to answer that question. So I can't answer. I know they put me on hold till he left, huh? No, I mean uh, we went to break, and uh, he is his segment's over. So. I think he'll be on again next week, Brian, if you want to give him a call at that time. But thanks for the call, Bill. And we have Gerald on line three about the economy. Welcome to the show. Maybe lost Gerald. We've lost Gerald. All right. Well, I uh, hope Gerald is doing well. And uh, your thought, what did I say? A call in with your thoughts. Oh, about should we cancel all the debates? I think that's just kind of a selfish thing for Trump to ask. I personally love the debates. I thought that the last debate was really interesting. I watched it twice even. Uh, they did need to enforce time limits and cut off mics because if you don't do that, then you're incentivizing these candidates to flout the rules and creating an incentive for them to talk over each other. But uh, if they would enforce it, I think it would be good to have a discussion. And Gerald's back on line one. We have just a little bit of time left. Gerald, what's on your mind? Yeah, we, my mic was cut off. I just wanted to talk about the economy because just a little couple decades ago, all Bill Clinton had to do was just monkey around and not really do anything. And, and we went to a zero debt. And, uh, now it's just, it's just out of control because they keep spending, but not only spending, they're not allowing the free market to compensate for it. They're not allowing the fuel. And we've they, never had, uh, we haven't had zero debt in my lifetime, including during Bill Clinton, but. Well, we had, it wasn't getting bigger, I guess what it was. It's something, I don't know. He did something. They've like, they like to monkey around with the way they define things, but yeah. Yeah. But, but it was certainly a lot is, smaller. Uh, on the other thing is the uh, election. We do need to focus on the legislature and those states that allow, we can't have all that mail out ballots because they're going to go to illegal aliens and then the harvester will harvest them and then we're going to lose again. All right. Well, I, I'm getting kicked off, but thanks for your call, Gerald, and calling us back. We have a lot to get to. This teacher in Missouri, a lawsuit by Bailey and a new department by Buffalo. That's all next.